0: My name is Jenna Christensen, and this is Women at Work. In this podcast, I speak to female founders, small business owners, entrepreneurs, and creators about the hard parts of business, the challenges, the struggles, and the low points, as well as the pivotal moments that changed everything in their pursuit of fulfillment happiness, and financial success. In this episode, I speak with interior designer and business owner Kathleen Franza of KMH Home and KMH Design. It was recorded in conjunction with our partners at the D&D building, known nationally and internationally as the world's most important home to over 130 showrooms. The D&D building, located in New York City, represents over 3,000 leading manufacturers dedicated to the very best in residential and business interior furnishings, educational opportunities, and resource information. Now let's get to the show. Hi, everybody. Um, I want to I want to thank you all for being here today. Um, my name is Jenna Christensen, and I am a business and leadership coach, and want to you know give a big thank you to the D and D B D D Building and Jared for you know making this possible for us because we feel like this information we have to share today is just extraordinarily valuable. So. As you know we're going to be talking about attracting and creating your ideal client and i want to really encourage you as we go through this talk to use your chat box because i'm going to be posing a bunch of questions and we really would love to have this be a very interactive kind of conversation um so use it to ask questions but also you know use it to, to answer the ones we pose so I want to start out by asking you again, these are some questions that were in our, I think, the actual invitation. You know, how many of you here today have struggled with a client that was not a right fit? How many of you have seen red flags, you know, when interviewing a client and moved forward anyway? And how many of you had have started out a project, you know, with someone in a good relationship, and then sort of have that deteriorate, you know, as you go along. Um, and then my last question is, what would change for you and your business if you could steer clear of these kind of scenarios? So that's really what we're going to be talking about today. And before we really jump into the meat of this conversation, um, I wanna introduce my fabulous co-host here today, Kathleen Franza. Uh, Kathleen is the founder and owner of both KMH Design and KMH Home. And Kathleen, perhaps if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about you know, yourself and your business uh, with us, and then and maybe talk a little bit about how we came to work together.
1: Okay. So uh, Kathleen Franza, owner of KMH, uh, design and recent uh, KMH Home, which is a retail shop, which actually just uh, came into fruition a little less than three years ago. But I've been doing interior design work and residential and some commercial projects for over 20 years um, in the Jacksonville area. We are located out at the beaches, which we love, and we are in a great little town center, which has been really supportive. Um, through all the years, and certainly with the retail shop now, but um, we, as I said, have been doing this for 20 years, and it sort of dawned on me one day that I've never really had any business coaching, I haven't had any guidance, I've kind of just did it all on my own, I thought I was making all sorts of wise decisions, but uh, I was still struggling with a lot of things, and um, thinking that I would have learned a lot of lessons over the years, which I hadn't. Um, an email came across uh, just very um, random, I think. I don't know how Jenna's email came to us, but we're glad that it did because it stopped us in our tracks. And she just said in that email, everything that I thought like, wow, yeah, these things need to happen, it's time. So uh, we emailed back to her and uh, we've been working with her for um, almost a year now. And it has been um, just an eye-opening experience it has helped us uh, through not only in the design but in the retail shop. It helped us um, in in so many ways. So um, today, the one thing, it, one of the very first things she did with this was, how are you feeling about your clients, and how do you can can you actually describe an ideal client? And so, anyway, that was one of our first things, and uh, we're still at it with her. We're we're still learning. So,
0: uh, thanks so much. Thanks so much for sharing that and. I'm sure we have people that are sort of still signing on as we're going through here. So, you know, I just, I just want to recap. We Kathleen and I are talking today about attracting and creating your ideal client. My name is Jenna Christensen and I am a business and leadership coach. And as Kathleen said, she is a designer, a business owner, um, and, and now a retailer. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about this ideal client exercise because it's funny. I do this really with all of my clients and, you know, many of them after we finish will, will admit to me that when I first tell them that we're going to do an ideal client exercise, that they roll their eyes, you know, because they're like, Oh my God, you're really going to make us do this again. We've done it before. We don't understand how it helps us. It hasn't helped us in the past, um, you know, and all that. So, I wonder, uh, Kathleen, if you remember when I first mentioned that we were going to do this exercise, like what your, what your reaction was? Yeah. um,
1: Well, it was like, um, okay, that sounds right. And uh, why did we not really think about that? Um, We were, were always complaining every day about our clients, but never really sat down to figure out what were the problems with them and um, to define and get more clarity on, you know, that if if to to stop us from complaining every day, what was it that we needed to do? And that was to try and find some more ideal clients. So anyway, we were, we were like, we're on board. We're, we were like good, but we were like, we should have thought of that
0: a long time ago. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that that's kind of the funny thing about coaching. And I feel like the work that I do I mean, part of the time, you know what? When you know we're talking about issues, you know, I feel like, you know, I hear the answers coming out of my mouth, right, and they sound so simple, right? Just, just like as we're going to walk through this exercise, you're going to see how simple it is. But simple doesn't mean it's easy, and simple doesn't mean, as you said, Kathleen, that um, it is. It is something that we automatically do. So, you know, I think it is sort of a really, a really valuable thing. So we're going to jump in and walk you guys through what this exercise looks like now. So, so typically what I do is I start off this exercise by asking my clients to think of one to three of the worst clients that they've ever had, okay? And, and then I want you to get them really clear in your mind. And then I ask them, you know, what was it about those particular clients that made working with them so difficult? So, Kathleen, would you mind sharing with us some of your
1: worst client experiences?
0: Yeah, um,
1: I got my cheat my cheat sheet here, um, and uh, there were there was a whole lot of um, things we put underneath that, but I'm going to keep it <laughs> I'm going to keep it short. So, um, at the start. Uh, Negotiation of our fees. That was a big thing. Um, Says to us, a lack of trust and intention. Uh, No timeline guide. That said to us, uncertainty of commitment to the project. Um, If we took on the project, there was lack of customers' response and communication to requests and decisions terrible decision. So many of them hate to make decisions, which of course, hold up your whole, your whole project, Uh, clients, continual rehashing of covered topics and already confirmed decisions, you know, doubtful. Did we make the right decision? Um, a lot of, uh, extra time being spent and energies trying to keep the ball rolling, trying to keep the project moving and, and feeling good about, you know, where we're going. So, um, yeah, um, those are those are just a few of the worst client um, attributes.
0: Yeah, so I I want to check in with with everyone who is with us here and kind of put the same question out to you. Like, what what do you resonate with? You know, from what Kathleen shared, you know, have you guys have you guys experienced this, or what have been some of your major pain points? You know, what, what have been the things about those worst clients of yours that made working with them so difficult? Go ahead and, and throw your comments up in the in the chat. And, you know, we'll keep an eye on that um, as, as you do that. Um, so the next step, right, is like now that we've identified all these things about the client that made working with them so hard, you know, the next question is, and I know you remember this, Kathleen is, How did that affect the way you showed up for the client and the project? So would you mind sharing that with us?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Lost momentum due to time lapses between meetings, which meant a lot of extra time catching up and going over our past notes, figuring out where we left off. Uh, we felt like we were losing control of design direction due to the client's lack of engagement and their indecisions. Uh, we lost enthusiasm for the project. Uh, the energy was low, and it just seemed every time we were going to have a meeting or had to have a decision made, it, it was just, it was painful. <laughs> it was just, it, it really affected our energy level and our engagement, you know, in to stay, uh, you know, in interested in the project. Um, so yeah, it, it was not a good way for us to show up for any, any project.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing um, I do hear over and over again from designers is, is how disruptive it can be to a project when you lose momentum. It's almost like starting all over, you know, from scratch. Uh, and it really affects, I mean, here's the thing to really think about is like, what effect does that have on, you know, your profitability, you know, and effectiveness? And we're we're getting some comments here. So I just wanna share some of the things that um, people are putting out there in terms of difficulty they have had with their clients, you know, difficulty in getting paid, you know, as the progress possessed progressed. I mean, definitely heard that one before. Uh, clients being nitpicky about everything, which to me, that kind of speaks back to what you were saying earlier, Kathleen about trust, you know, there's, there's not that trusting in the designer if they're being so nitpicky, you know, husband and <laughs> wife never being on the same page. Oh my God. I can't <laughs> even imagine what that must be like. Right. Um, ah, here's another one. Clients expecting me to work outside of the scope of the project. That is a really big one. Um, yeah. So um. So guys, again, as we're going through this, please feel free to share too. So how did those things that you mentioned, how did it affect the way you showed up to the project? Just, mm-hmm. like, just that, like Kathleen just shared. Um, so Kathleen, now that you, know, you felt like you had the loss of control, momentum's gone, you know, uh, you, you've know, you lost interest really or excitement for the project. Mm-hmm. How did that, what, what were then the results? What happened in the end?
1: Well, a lot of um, you know insecurity on our part. We were unsure of the owner's final thoughts on how the project turned out. Um, you know that communication breakdown. Concerned actually about the feelings on our part that it was not our best work, and we do not like to be out there not doing what we love and doing it as great as we can. We were unsure of the contractor's take on our professional skills. And you know, contractors are a really good source for us. I mean, we we recommend one another all the time, and you know, just so much uncertainty of how we left things with people and actually lack of enthusiasm to even photograph it for our website, which is a really big, you know, criteria, which we will get to later, as to um, you know, we, we gotta all think about that. Um, it is part of of why we do what we do, and it's our it's social. You know, media is so important and we want to be proud, you know, to be able to show what we've done and how wonderful and great it turned out. So, you know, it's just total uncertainty and just sort of, you know, the, um, just not feeling like we did the best that we could have done when um, mm-hmm. we weren't
0: allowed to. Oh so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I find um, that, I don't want to say all, but, you know, many designers have in common is that, you know, this work is really, I mean, yes, it's about creating pretty spaces, but really what it's about is creating a lifestyle, you know, for people to have a better life. You know, I know we've talked about, you know, very frequently, Kathleen, how sort of your mission is really, you know, all about creating ease, you know, for your clients, you know, and this ease of living. And so if you're not able to actually do your best work, then your client really isn't getting from you, your best, you know, they're not getting your best. And that is definitely one thing, you know, I hear over and over again, you know, when when there is this sort of mismatch, the client just doesn't get the best of us. Uh, you know, another thing you talked about was like being, not being sure if the client really loved the work or not. So I imagine that means you're not getting referrals. And so much of this business is all about, you know, referrals and you know the other big one, no photography. Uh, so, guys, uh, I'm again. I want to pose this question to all of you here. Um, you know what were the results? You know with these with these, you know one to three of your worst clients in mind. What what was sort of the result? I see a new comment here. You know I have a client that has been wonderful, but question why I tipped all of the delivery people. I asked her to remind me to, to 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 reimburse, but you know, because she says she never tips anybody. Okay, that's really interesting. So I want you to keep that in mind as we continue to go through this exercise, because that sounds like uh, something that is uh, Jane. That this is something that's out of alignment. You know, one of the things that I talk about with my clients is like you want to be tracking people who share your values. So, you know, I just alluded to something that's a major value for Kathleen, which is, you know, creating this ease of living. You know, if people don't um, appreciate what it is that you have to offer, you know, things just aren't going, they're just not going to go well. And I saw Jane, it looked like you walked away from the project. (laughs) I mean, that's that's another thing, a result that I hear happens over and over again, the designer quits or they get fired right? When they, say, when they say yes to the wrong client. So the purpose of really focusing first on the worst client, you know, really gives you a clear picture of what saying yes to the people uh, that are not a good fit for you really has on your business. Because I, again, I think this is the thing that um, p- small business owners don't think about enough, you know, I know that sometimes, and this can be very true, especially when you start, you know, your design business, that you're just taking whatever projects come to you because, you know, you need money coming in the door. But, but at some point, you know, um, I've also heard as a result of working with a, uh, a client that's not a right fit, you, client designers have actually lost money. You know, they didn't get paid the final invoice. Um, you know, they wound up just like you said, Kathleen, that you lost interest and didn't photograph, you know, the, the, uh, the final projects. Um, you know, some of the designers just get so fed up, they don't even send the last invoice. They're like, I just don't even want to deal. So, <laughs> you know, there, there really is, you know, a cost here that I just want everyone to be aware of. Does, does that make sense to anybody, everybody? And do you have any questions before we sort of move on to the next phase? which is where we start focusing on the ideal client, the good parts. I'll, I'll keep my eye on the chat box for any questions, but we'll, we'll go ahead and, and start sort of moving forward into the next phase of um, what this exercise looks like. So now we're really gonna focus on your three to five best clients that you've ever had, okay? So I want you to just take a minute, get those people clear in your head, really think about who they were, what it was like, how it felt to work with them. And now I want you to make a list, throw it in the chat box. Kathleen is gonna share with, with us what it was about them that made working with them so successful. So Kathleen, let's let's hear some of your top ones.
1: Okay. Um- They understood from the beginning the value that we brought to the project. Um, They were engaged in asking questions. They relied on our expertise and knowledge and guidance. They viewed everyone involved as a team. That means a lot to us. A team that would work together, build a relationship
0: OK, everybody, I, I don't know if I'm the only one having a technical difficulty, but Kathleen has frozen. Um, can you guys hear me? OK, looks like it looks like Kathleen is frozen, so we'll kind of wait for her to to um, to come back on. But would love to hear more from you guys. You know, I saw in the chat box, you know, um, trust was a, was a really big thing. Um. They knew I was hundred percent about customer service. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Trust. Trust. Uh, they respected me and my resources. Yeah. So 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 these are um, some really common things um, that come up. And and I will tell you that in the work that I've done over the years, uh, trust is the number one ingredient that I hear over and over again, that is needed, um, when creating a, uh, really successful client, uh, designer relationship. Yeah. We've got some more here. Friendly, respectful, wants to succeed. Yes. while gaining value from us. They were Great. Great. Thanks you guys so much for sharing. Um, you know, Uh, If you guys have any questions, since we are, it looks like we lost Kathleen. Um, If you guys have any questions that you want to, how can we have them trust us? Any guidelines? Okay. I love this question. Okay. So really how I advise my clients to to really think about this, there, there are a couple of ways. One is really understanding first who this client is, right? Um, And as we continue to go through this exercise, uh, we're gonna actually show you how to create um, a list of criteria, you know, so that you have sort of a set of rules for yourself. So you know who to say yes and who to say no to, okay? But in terms of gaining trust, I'm gonna give you two um, pieces of information um, that you can start before you even, you know, have your first phone call with a client. And the first is, again, really know what your company values are. You know, I suggest um, you identify five and really understand and define what those mean to you and that you share those and share them often in all of your marketing materials through social media, Uh, on your web, clearly on your website, you know, any email marketing you have going on. So I mentioned earlier, a huge value for Kathleen is really all about creating an ease of living. So, um, you know, she talks about that frequently and what exactly that means, right? Because she wants to attract clients again, that are going to appreciate that. The second way that you can build trust with a client, again, before you ever meet them, is to, in your marketing materials, take your your sort of audience on a journey from, Kathleen is back, from um, problem to solution. So let's just say, for example, you have a client, um, they moved into an old home, an older home that has limited storage space and closets, right? And so, part of the solution you had to create was like, what are you know? How are we going to create more storage, you know, and still keep this, uh, you know, the integrity of the the home intact and all of that. And so, you tell that story, and you tell that story over and over again, and how that gains trust is when when people in your audience, you know, identify, oh my God, we have the same problem, and then they see that you've created a solution, they know you can help them. Okay, so Kathleen, she's back. Can you hear me? She can't hear me yet. Okay, looking at, uh, what are we identifying five of? Okay, guys, we're gonna create a list of five pieces of criteria um, that are going to serve as sort of your ground rules for who to say yes and who to say no to. And so, th- so this means what clients you're going to hire and say yes and no to. Um, so I see, I see that Kathleen is, is still you know, trying to sign back on. So um, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and take you to the next part of the exercise, which is now that we've talked about you know, what made working with those ideal clients you know, what was it about them that made it so successful? You know, a lot of you really mentioned trust. They trust your vision. Um, they trust your judgment. They believe in your value. Um, they're coachable. You know, they go with the flow and the process. Um, they love artful expression, et cetera. Okay. You have that client. Now I want you to think about it again, throw up in the sh- chat box. How did that, Did those qualities affect the way you showed up for the client and the project? Okay. Yes, we as designers should be interviewing the client as much as they are interviewing us. Absolutely correct, hope. Bravo to you. That's what this exercise is all about, to help you really identify. Um, And and one of the things we're going to talk about as well is, you know, once you have your five pieces of criteria, we're gonna show you how you can create interview questions to kind of, you know, um, reveal if these people are a right fit for you or not. Okay, I'm seeing from Jim and Kelly, you know, having this ideal client allowed me to bring my best creativity. Um, I see Kathleen is still trying to sign on. Sorry you so much you guys for... Uh, the difficulty we're having uh, technology, you know. Um, Okay, I'm looking at some questions. You talked a little bit about new design, design businesses. How do you evaluate and attract potential clients, especially given a small portfolio? What is different versus more established businesses? Okay, Uh, I think that's a really interesting question. Um, it's funny because I work with a variety of clients, you know, as, as Kathleen mentioned, she's been in business for over 20 years. Um, But I have clients who, you know, are launching a business now. have been in the process of launching and, you know, the process is very much the same. You know, it's really about understanding what your vision, your mission, your values are. And again, really having a good, solid picture of your ideal client, you know, and, and I've seen designers do everything, you know, um, if you don't have a large portfolio, you know, you just tap into your creativity, create vignettes, you know, post images that really represent your design style, as well as your brand message, which is really about who you are and, and what you stand for. And, and, and like I, I mentioned earlier, you know, Kathleen, one of the big things that she stands for is this idea of an ease of living. Kathleen, how are we doing? Can you hear us? Can you hear me? I can't hear you. Are you on mute? Maybe you're on mute. Let's see. By the way, I don't know if anybody is as obsessed with Kathleen's necklace as I am, but she does sell it at her store. (laughs) Okay. Let's see. How did these positive qualities affect my project? High level of excitement and engagement from my side, proud results, better communication, designer and client on the same page, more enjoyable process for everyone involved. Uh, Fun project, great testimonials, more recommendations. Okay, fabulous. So, um, you know, one of the things I hear over and over again of how like working with an ideal client really um, affects how you show up is people tend to be, they go above and beyond. They feel like they're so excited and they wanna do so well for the client because the client is so fabulous that they're thinking about the project all the time. You know, They're shopping for the project all the time and they, they really do go above and beyond. And so, um, I know she's still trying to come on. Kathleen has to enable her audio, I guess. You're connecting now, Kathleen, okay. It looks like for some reason you're having a hard time connecting to the audio. I'm not sure. But as soon as you come on, Kathleen, let us know you're there so we can hear you. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go to the next step uh, since you guys uh, have done such a great job, you know, sort of walking through uh, the first two steps about your ideal client. So we've talked about how this affected the way you showed up. Now, what was then the result? Okay. So I know, you know, one of you actually in your comments about how you showed up um, talked a little bit about some of the results or what what was the result. Um, you know, typically people get referrals. They may even do more projects with that client. They may become an ongoing client. Um, they definitely get images. Um, uh, they usually have a happy client. Sometimes, you know, they get press. Okay, I'm just checking the questions. Okay. All right. So you guys, what, what have been the results for you in terms of, again, working with these clients who really value and appreciate you know, the work you do? Sense of pride. That's great. You know, that's such an interesting comment, sense of pride, because I think one of the things that we don't talk about enough too is that um, it really helps to build your confidence. You know, and the more confident you are in the work you do, the more you're able to show up as an expert. And it's funny, you know, in talking about trust and how do we develop trust, you know, when you're able to show up as an expert, right, for your client, it makes them feel comfortable because they know they're in the right hands. They know that they can trust you. I see Kathleen is coming back and she's on mute, but I'm thinking, let's see.
1: I'm here. Oh my gosh. Not
0: too embarrassed. No, No, no. Well, technology, we can't do it. We can't, we can't, you know, it's not your, it's not your fault. So sorry. Um, no, we're getting some great p- participation from the audience. You know, Good. I think I think you were talking about again, like what what were some of the um, what were some of the things about your ideal clients that made working with them you know so great? And I know you talked about I think value they valued you and trusted. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about how that affected the way you showed up, Kathleen, for those projects? Yeah. Oh yeah, sure, sure.
1: So uh, we were engaged uh, from day one. It felt good. It felt right. We actually went above and beyond scope of work. We did a little bit more research, a little more design. Yep. We just were enjoying our time and weren't really, you know, calculating hours so much. We 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 gave it the extra. Uh, we checked in frequently at the project site, probably more than our once a week site meetings that we always insist upon so we were just happy to kind of go and pop in you know all the time to see how the progress was coming along and we were excited to share progress on social media we actually took the time to take some pictures and do some videos and then post them because we were having fun and we were enjoying it and um you know we're we're totally engaged throughout the whole the whole part so those were just amazing uh, yeah, just feel good, right? I mean, that's what you do it for. You want you want to enjoy what you're doing every day, right? Yeah. You know,
0: while while we were having some of the technical stuff, you know, one of the things that I shared, I just started sharing, you know, what I've heard from clients and one was one of the items, you know, you mentioned here, which is, yeah, you go above and beyond. Because right. you, ju- you just want to be doing. Um, I did see a question in the comments. Um, how do you recognize a potentially, like a potential problem client. So um, the first step really is understanding what makes a client a potential problem. Okay, so that was step one of the exercise. And and step two, which we're in right now, is really identifying and being clear about what your ideal client looks like, okay? And we're gonna go into the next couple of phases um, as well, because there are two more phases after that. So, um, And somebody else commented, you know, less clients is better, you know, have, you don't need to have a million clients. It's better to have, you know, a few really great clients instead of like a lot of clients with half of them being bad. So, uh, which makes sense. Um, especially when we see the kind of drain, you know, that working with someone who's not a right fit has in our businesses. So Kathleen with having these people, you know, that you are just showing up for, you know, in the most amazing way, and you're so motivated and excited about the project, you know again, wh- what was the outcome? What were the results?
1: Uh, well, at this point there was obviously confirmation from client and contractor that they were really happy with how the project turned out, which you know we all wait for that moment when everybody just says, "Oh my God, I'm so happy. I love I love what we've done." Um, we actually felt good about ourselves and what we achieved. So, you know, it's not just a one-way street. You know, we want to be really happy and really proud as well of everything we've done. Uh, We were excited to photograph it um, and uh, put it up on the website. We, we We couldn't stop talking about how, you know, great it turned out and how happy the client was. And we felt like we had built a really great relationship because, you know, word of mouth, other people talking about us, we knew that we were gonna get good reviews, um, they were gonna speak highly of us, and uh, that goes a long way. I have done many advertising in my life, but I can tell you that most of my projects come from word of mouth. If one client was happy with me, they assure their friend that they're gonna have the same experience. So, you know, that's that's uh, the that's ultimate,
0: you know, for us, so. Yeah. No, and, you know, what you're sharing is, is definitely what I hear over and over again, you know, that the business, where do, where do you get your business? It really comes from referrals. And I love that you mentioned, you know, in these answers twice, you know, the issue around contractors, because I know sometimes a contractor can also bring you business. Oh yeah. So (laughs) yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, um, Shall we move on to creating a list of criteria? So, so guys, if you've been making your list with us, you know, al- along as we've been going through this exercise, you know, I really want you to take a look at what's standing out to you most about, again, the things that made working with your non-ideal clients that made it so difficult, as well as the things that, you know, your ideal clients brought to the table, you know, and made working with them so great. And as you look through those, again, I want you to come up with five pieces of criteria that every client moving forward will need to have in order for you to say yes. So Kathleen, would you mind sharing with us the five bits of criteria that you've come up with? Sure, sure.
1: Um, First off, confirmation from my team that the project is not out of our comfort zone. Not everything that comes our way is really a good fit for us. So, you know, we have to make sure that it is a good fit. That's just one of the criterias. Um, the client views this as part of a team that they are um, engaging us with the contractor, with the architect and with themselves, um, that there's an established timeline for the project um it is really important for us to understand a potential start date and an end date uh that can shift and change there's no doubt about it but when a client comes to us and they have no idea then we don't know how long this project could potentially go on which is therefore really hard to do a proposal so we love when somebody has a, an estimated uh, start date and when they're hoping to be in their home um so that's a wonderful um, uh, piece of information for us. Um, client uh, displays trust and is excited to be working with us, feeling like you know, we get good responses from them and saying, you know, I've just heard so much wonderful things, I've seen your work. We're really, really excited to work with you, which then of course makes us excited to work with them. So when we hear those words, um, you know, that, that's incredibly helpful. Um, And in the end, you know, is this a project that we can photograph and use on our website? I mean, that's one of the ultimate goals is that we really wanna make sure that we have continued content and um, being able to display, you know, what we do, because we have gotten a, not only obviously a lot of um, jobs from referrals, but also because people have gone onto the website and said, "Oh my God, I really love," you know, people are visual. I really love this one house that you did. That's kind of what I'm imagining. So, you know, the more content you have up there, um, and you know, we tend to be a little bit more modern, um, and clean and minimal, but we transition over to a little bit of some traditional things. So. It uh you know, it speaks to them and it makes it easier for the client to feel like, you know, they're they're uh they can they can visually see if they're working with us that they're gonna get something really wonderful. So um the photographs, photographing the project is so important. So yeah. those are some of the criteria, yeah.
0: Oh great. So, you know, you've kind of talked through a little bit like what some of these things might sound like, you know, when you were talking about, you know, they're excited to work with us, you know, you're, you're, you talked about what that kind of sounds like, you know, um, and you talked a little bit too about, you know, a client having an established timeline, sort of what that sounds like. We want to be moving in on X date, right? Um, what other questions have you kind of added to your interview process to kind of reveal, you know, if if the client really is, does fit your your ideal client criteria?
1: Um, I think that um, for us, we, um, we ask a lot of questions. Obviously, it can start with, you know, depending on where they are on the project. Um, you know, how do you select your architect? Um, do you have a set of plans even before they come for the interview? Um, uh, do you have um, a contractor in mind or do you have one set up? Uh, Where's your property? Um, Have you done this before? Is this your first house? Or, you know, what's your story? Why are you here in Jacksonville? Um, Just trying to get a lot of information, kind of set them a little at ease that, you know, we're interested in finding out as much as we can. And that's been, you know, really helpful because the answers are something that we record, we take notes when we do an interview with somebody. And it's, For us to be able to later on with the team sit back and review those answers and say you know is this how you read that is this how you read it Um, you know we ask is um you know are you married you have children are you uh you know just as much information as we can to um put the comments down so that we can all sort of sit around a you know a little round table and and actually ask you know, everybody's got a different opinion about people. So, you know, my team will say, oh, no, this was not a good one. I, I got a bad feeling and, you know, I tend to be like, well, you know, but well, wait, wait a minute, let's just really think about this. So um, yeah, as many questions as you can ask, I don't think anything's um, off guard. Um, and uh, yeah, so, you know, it asking all those questions and being able to get those, just um, you know body language is another thing too that you know don't discount body language um husbands are infamous for doing certain little things you know that kind of we're just never quite sure so um
0: yeah it, it's just a lot of questions i guess
1: and review and yeah.
0: you know it's interesting somebody put up uh in the chat box and please feel free to share some of the criteria you guys are coming up with as as we're going through this exercise uh but carrie shared you know, one criteria is a decision from the client that the final decision is the final decision, (laughs) right? So again, oh my gosh, just know that you are not the only one that deals with this issue, okay? And, And one of the things that I coach my clients around, again, in the very beginning, you know, in this interview process that we're talking about with Kathleen right now is to really ask the client, how do you make decisions? You know, how are you at making decisions? You know, cause some people are really quick. Other people take a much longer time, right? And so understanding like what Kathleen was saying is this their first time, you know, decorating a home. You know, they're gonna have probably more difficulty making decisions. But another key question, once they've answered, you know how are you at making decisions? You can also ask how much information do you need to feel comfortable making a decision? Because again, that's going to differ from person to person. You know, I, I talk about this all the time. Like my husband and I are very different in the way we make decisions. I tend to be like really quick, don't need a ton of information. I just go with my gut where he's definitely more methodical and needs more information. And so, you know, just knowing that upfront and how to, um, you know, prepare, I think is really helpful. Do you have anything you want to add to that,
1: Kathleen? Um yeah one of the other things is is I've
0: discovered that
1: um you know, we use terminologies all the time when we're in an interview with a client. And so we realize that some of them, certainly who have never built a house before um, or have done a major remodel, some of the words that are, you know, really easy for us to kind of talk about is uh, they're a little clueless on what the definition of it is. So we introduce into our uh, interviews where we show them all of our documents. We'll, we'll pull out a binder. This is a typical binder we would use on a project that's in existence. And we will go through it and share with them, you know, what we bring to the table, too. And to try and clarify to them that, you know, it's not all smoke and mirrors. I mean, the you know, there's a lot of work that goes into this. And when they see a binder, you know, that's three inches thick, and this is a project we've been working on, this is the kind of information that we will be providing. And we can guide you and walk you through all of it. And we just start, you know, getting them kind of familiar with the process. Um, and maybe some of the terminologies, because we use the term elevation and you know my clients are always thinking that it has to do with you know, topography outside and I'm like no 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 elevations interior elevations you know cabinetry etc so we find that um to be a little bit clear to uh you know visually show them you know they love vision, visuals um it, it, it kind of helps too um and it, it and opens them up to actually ask us questions well so how do you work and I saw somebody posted. You know, uh, would it be better to have a questionnaire, you know, to have them fill out? Well, you know, most clients are like, yeah, I'll do that later, but I just want to talk to you for a few minutes. So, um, you know, you can, it's a little bit more of a struggle to get the answers out of them, but it also leaves them lots of room and time to ask you, uh, you know, as well, Um, because we're a little bit of a mystery to them, I find. Um, So, you know, it's- 100%. Yeah, so-
0: yeah. No, I, I just wanted to, uh, one of the things, and again, you guys have been doing this for a really long time. So it, it's like second nature. The thing to really remember is like, your clients have no idea how much work goes into what you do. No idea. So I think, you know, one of the things we've talked about, Kathleen, and, you know, sharing that binder. And, I, and I'm going to ask you a little bit about some of the other materials you've created that really document all of the work that goes in that they don't even see, you know, that happens behind the scenes. Um, I I also wanted to comment on the question that came through about the questionnaire. You know, um, I think it's valuable to have like a general, like questionnaire, maybe four or five questions. I have one that people have to fill out when they schedule a discovery call with me. And the reason I do that is to just kind of get a, you know, a snapshot of where people are at but it also helps me with data collection, right? So so now two years into this, like I have so much information that I can use from a marketing standpoint, right? Because one of my questions is, well, what are, you know, one to three of your biggest challenges you're facing in your business? So, you know, I tend to see the same answers over and over again, right? So, So that's information for me from a marketing perspective. However, I do think as Kathleen said, body language is something you really want to be paying attention to because I I wish I could remember the percentages, but I I feel like it's almost like 80% of communication is nonverbal. So if you are not there with the client posing questions, I think you're, you're missing a lot of cues, you know, in terms of, is this person right for you or not? How do you feel about that Kathleen? Yeah,
1: I, I definitely think so. Um, and, um, yeah, just, I mean, just the way that they, you know, approach us and, you know, totally different thing on the, on the phone or through a questionnaire. We we actually reserve questionnaires for later when it comes to things like plumbing appliances, you know, all these different questions. We, we've developed questionnaires that we send out to them and say, okay, here's your homework. These are questions that you're going to have to answer at some point. So I'm going to forward it to you now. And this is, of course, after we Been engaged in the project, um, hired on, but um, it again lets them um, have some time to talk about it between all the parties involved, and um, so questionnaires like that have really, really helped us. Um, Instead of us moving forward selecting things and then presenting to them, and they go, "Well, no, actually, we we always wanted to have a single single single-handle faucet in all the kids' rooms," you know. So if you send them the questionnaires, it helps save you some time and gives them some homework and, um, and feeling in feeling, you know, very much involved, you know, in what's going on decisions. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I just saw a question come through. Someone had a, a question about what my five questions are. Now, I don't know how relevant these are going to be for designers, but my questions are tell me a little bit about where you are now with your business or career. What are one to three of your biggest, uh, challenges? Um, what are one to three goals you have for your business or career? What does success mean to you? And have you worked with a consultant or a coach, um, in the past? And what was that experience? If yes, what was that experience like for you? So, um, I, I do think adapting that last question to find out if people have worked with a designer before, and if yes, what that was experience was like, that's going to give you a lot of information. Mm -hmm. Um but Kathleen, you know, one of the things that was so exciting for me again as a coach to see is, you know, when I developed this exercise, it really was about creating this set criteria and then figuring out, okay, yes, what are the questions that I can pose to a client, you know, in a in a first meeting to kind of figure out if they fit. But you really took it to another level, you know you have taken it to the point of, listen, even an ideal client doesn't know how to continue to behave like an ideal client once they're in the process. So we talked about earlier, you know, the, the, you know, relationship starts off great, but then it starts to deteriorate. So can you talk a little bit about how you've taken this exercise to the next level and it started to train your clients to be ideal?
1: Um, Sure. So obviously, as I had mentioned before, you know, a lot of clients don't quite understand what the process and procedures are. And, you know, we can write all day long and put on our website that this is our process. But when it really comes down to it, they don't know what's the next step. Okay, great. We love you. We're hiring you. And now what do we do? So we realized that what we wanted to, um, what we even wanted to figure out ourselves was, how are we going to be able to explain to them how what the what the actual process is and the procedures that we go through, we know exactly where we're going to start. We know what needs to be decided first. We know what we're going to do, um, and we do it the same same method every every single project. And we thought, you know what, maybe we really need to write this down and share this with them so they understand. They can kind of stay on the same page with us and also feel that they're very very much connected and very integral part of this project. And uh, things don't move forward without them. So. We sat down and we literally took, what do we do now? We're hired. What's the very first thing we always do? And it took us a good day, day and a half to actually write out this process and procedures. And it was an eye opener for us. We were like, darn, we do an awful lot of work. that I don't think the client has any clue. So it was really, really great for us. And we now have included it and share that with the clients, uh, you know, in the, even in the interview process, to say, this is how you're involved. This is when you're involved. We want to keep things rolling. We have a process. We love um, organization. And um, we're going to help you along on letting you know what the next decisions are. And, um, you know, a lot of them speak of, oh, my God, they, they, they need the decision tomorrow. And I'm like, well, yeah, well, we've been We've been telling you, you know, you got to make these decisions. So this sheet actually is a check, check, uh, checklist actually, and it has been incredibly, incredibly helpful because, again, as Jenna said, we realized that we may initially get what we consider an ideal client, but in order to keep them being that ideal client, they, it was our it was our um, responsibility to teach them and um, you know keep them kind of keep them in line. So this process and procedure sheet, which goes through phases, describes the scope of work, but in a lot more detail, but not so complicated they can't understand. And everybody loves a checklist. Everybody loves to check something off. So it made sense to them and it's been working
0: real well for us. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, one of the things that I think is so important um, that this checklist does for you, like you you, you mentioned, like, this is how you're going to be involved. So it's also expressing like what your expectations are for your client. You know, they have expectations for you, but I I find that with many people, they have a really hard time communicating expectations, whether it's with employees or, you know, with a client. But what actually happens when those expectations are clearly defined, everyone feels more comfortable. Everyone feels at ease. They know, again, they know what is expected. They know what's coming next. Um, what, I, I feel like I remember you saying there was another benefit that came from creating this checklist. Um,
1: well, I know that it was something that we looked at and said, okay, we are doing these proposals and we've been doing the same kind of proposal. Um, and I would say almost... I feel like we were guessing at how much we should charge somebody.
0: Oh, wow. Right. So what
1: we did was we took this checklist and we literally put hours against what we felt, you know, and it was all the team because um, Daniela, who does my all my architecture work and my interior design work with me, she does a lot of the drawings, you know, we, we keep track of time, of course, it's the way we bill an invoice, but you know, let's sit down and really figure out how many hours we think it takes. So we did that because we had three new, brand new projects coming up that we had to do proposals for. And since this checklist got done, we sat down and put the hours, we talked about it, and we were blown away with, oh my goodness, we have been leaving an awful lot on the table. So it ended up helping us really reformulate proposals, fees, um, and to realize that, you know, we, we were being a lot more real, we needed to be more realistic about, uh, you know, what, what we were doing and how much time. And i tell you, it has not been a struggle with clients. They've been very, um, receptive, um, because they have this, this more information, you know, than this, I mean, I do a very short proposal. It's a pretty much a one pager. Um, and when that, and they have that backup paperwork and we walk them through it, um, you know, I, we, we haven't had any real struggles with that, uh, anybody doing that
0: fee negotiation thing. Um, right. That's, was, that's the big. point. It was big. That's the point I remember you sharing about even though you raised your fees as a result of this exercise, you weren't getting pushback because right. it's so detailed and clear about all the work that goes into all your projects. Right. So we have a few minutes left and I just I'd love to open um, this up to more questions. And I did see a question from Molly, you know, uh, and Kathleen, maybe you can take this one. Um, If it's the wrong client, do you bid high and hope they don't sign on or you do just not follow up or do you tell them you're too busy or I'm not the right designer? I think this needs to be done tactfully, or it could harm your reputation. So, how do you handle when someone you know someone's not a right fit? Um,
1: I uh, respectfully decline. Um, you know, we probably will put a little bit of um, well, we're a little busy right now. We might have to do a few white lies so that we don't hurt anybody's feeling and, of course, our reputation. But um, you know, when it's not a good fit. There have been definitely moments when i've actually said you know what i think we're probably not the right firm for you this is you're you're wanting us to do things in fact we had to actually let a client go i actually had to fire a client who was just expecting us to do some things that was just not part of how we do you know they were rewriting you know our policies and procedures and so we re- very respectfully said you know you're just asking us to do things that we we don't do and we don't believe in doing things this way. And, um, you know, I just think it's, it's, we're not the greatest fit for you. Um, But I think being honest, I think that's just what you gotta do. Um, And the sooner you do it, the better. Don't wait, don't take on, you know, a project that you are really like, I just don't know, maybe it will be better. It's usually not ever gonna get better. Um, And I've been guilty of it myself. So um, yeah. You just got to yep. be honest and be respectful about it. Um, and they will, they'll understand. And sometimes I'll actually refer somebody else that I know might be a good fit. I have no problem in passing on a project, uh, you know, and, and <laughs> it doesn't turn out to be a bad, a bad thing for them if they take it on,
0: but- uh, anyway. Right. No, that's, that's great advice. Someone also asked about our contact information and how um, they can find us Um, I want to let everybody know I am going to send out a follow-up email after this, um, also with some discount codes and offers if you guys have any interest in finding out more about the work I do. But Kathleen, where can everybody find you? What's the best way for them to find you?
1: Um, Well, obviously the website um, and or just give me a call. (laughs) 904-247-5408 or kmhdesigninc.com. And uh, we have a link right on there too, to KMH Home, which is our, our retail shop. Uh, but yeah, that it should be easy enough to find this.
0: What about your Instagram handle?
1: Oh yeah, KMH Design, so sorry. Hey, just KMH Design.
0: Yeah, so um, same me, for me, it's my name, Christensen.com, is my website. Uh, my Instagram is the same. Um, as I said, you'll be receiving an email from me as well, so I'll have some additional um, ways you can, you can reach out if you'd like to. But um, I want to thank you so much, Kathleen, for sharing uh, the stage here with me today and your, your enormous wisdom with everyone here today. Um, it's been such a pleasure to get to work with you and to talk about you know, the subject of, again, attracting and creating your ideal client.
1: Thank you, Jenna. It's been a pleasure and sorry about the whole, um, you know, technical difficulty. We made it, we made it yeah, through, I know. we made it through. And <laughs>
0: thank, thank you everybody who's here you. watching. Um, we hope that you got a lot out of this and that you're gonna look at your um, clients and interviewing your clients differently. Yes, the d building will be sending out a recording, um, and I will probably be sending out a link to the recording as well, just uh, just in case you miss it. Okay, so thank you again to everyone. Thank you to the D&D building and Jared for putting this together. And uh, have a wonderful rest of your day. Okay, thanks. Bye.